Throughout this episode, you'll hear occasional dynamically placed advertisements as well as host-read ads by me promoting the work of my sponsors, similar to what you'd experience when you're binging your favorite YouTube content. If you find the ads disruptive, consider joining my community on Patreon. Premium submarines receive full-length ad-free episodes, hundreds of hours of bonus content, and the ability to connect and chat with other listeners. To learn more, visit patreon.com slash backfromtheborderline. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome to Back from the Borderline. I'm your host, Molly, and I don't want to talk to your personality. I want to talk to your soul. The idea of alchemy is to reduce something with fire, burning it down so that something new can rise from the ashes. You can do this with your personality too. You can perform emotional alchemy. You've always had the power. You just didn't know that. And now you do. On this podcast, you'll learn to view your symptoms as saviors, as alerts from your body, mind, and spirit that want to let you know when you're out of alignment with the deepest yearnings of your soul. From chaos comes clarity. Through working with and integrating the concepts we'll explore together on the podcast, you'll emerge transformed, standing in the ashes of the person you used to be. All right, welcome back to returning listeners and for new listeners welcome to your very first episode of back from the borderline if that's you this is going to be a bonus episode and by bonus episode i mean i saw something yesterday had the spark or flash of inspiration that i needed to make a full episode on this so here we are that's what we're doing last night i was on youtube and an interview with Erica Badu from March 29th, 2023 popped up and she's being interviewed by MSNBC anchor and music obsessed Ari Melber. And the interviewer is adorable. <laughs> you can tell that he is really, really excited to be interviewing Erica. I have always, always loved Erica Badu. And for those that know me well, I have such a soft spot in my heart. I grew up listening to Neo Soul and R&B. 
I grew up on a steady diet of Erica Badu, Tracy Chapman, India Ari, Amy Winehouse. I loved listening to women that were singing their pain and singing their emotions and using that as fuel for their art. And so to hear this interview with Erica, as I was listening to it, I was listening to it not only as a fan, but then as I was listening, I realized that it was such a beautiful example of a woman and an artist and a creative and a mother who had been through so much in her life and had accomplished so much. And she was sort of reflecting back on that history and sharing so much wisdom. And that's why I've titled this episode POV Erica Badu Gives You Big Sister Advice because that's what it felt like to me. I felt like my big sister was sitting down and giving me a heart to heart, telling me the things that I needed to hear and maybe not what I want to hear. And I wanted my listeners to be able to get that value too. So don't worry, I've spent a significant amount of time going through this entire interview and editing it all out, editing out the best parts. So you're going to be hearing directly from Erica herself. But first, I thought it was really important to talk a little bit about who Erica Badu is. Obviously, she is a singer and songwriter. She's also produced her own work. She's spent time as an actress in films. She's particularly known for her music though, and she blends R&B, neo-soul, and hip-hop into a unique sound that really just can't be defined. You have to listen to her music to understand. It's like listening to a spoken word poet. She just brings you into her world. And because of this, her music has obviously earned her a massive amount of critical acclaim and a massive fan base. And she continues to release music and do art and also just evolve as a person, as an artist, which you'll hear when we start going more into the interview. Another reason why I think Erica Badu is someone particularly fascinating and great for us to take advice from and emulate is because she is that rare case that did not start off rich and famous. Erica came from extremely humble origins and faced various obstacles on her path to success. Erica Badu was born Erica Abby Wright on February 26, 1971 in Dallas, Texas. She grew up in a working class family in South Dallas. Her mother, Colleen Maria Gibson, was an actress and singer while her father, William Wright Jr., worked as a stagehand. It's important to note that when she was growing up, Erica's family didn't have a ton of financial resources, which meant that she had to work really hard and be creative and resourceful in pursuing her dreams in the music industry. Erica's also spoken out a lot about mental health. She's especially spoken out very candidly about her battles with depression and feelings of isolation. And she's mentioned that at certain points in her life, she experienced profound sadness and struggled to find a sense of belonging or meaning. And she often incorporates spirituality into her discussions of mental health. And she's previously emphasized the importance of self-reflection, meditation, and mindfulness practices in maintaining our mental health and well-being. She believes in the healing power of connecting with the inner self and understanding the root causes of emotional struggles, which is so much of what we speak about here on this podcast. 
As an artist, Erica Badu also truly believes that creativity is a form of therapy and an outlet for expressing our emotions. She often turns to her music and other art forms as a means of processing her feelings and experiences. I really think Erica is someone to emulate in our attitudes towards life, and this is for a few reasons. First, Erica's always remained true to herself and her artistic vision. She embraces her uniqueness and encourages others to do the same. Emulating Erica's authenticity for us means being comfortable with who we are and expressing ourselves genuinely. She also has a deep connection to her spirituality and she emphasizes self-reflection, self-awareness, inner growth, pointing to this need for us to understand ourselves. And by that, it can lead us to a more fulfilling and balanced life. I'm hoping by hearing a little bit of an introduction to Erica, it can provide a really nice backdrop for what we're about to hear in this interview with her. So the interview with Ari Melber opens up with him asking her how she's feeling at this point of her life and her career. And for the most part, I've edited out Ari and I will be popping in with my reflections and reactions throughout. So let's hear Erica's first response here to just how she's feeling right now. I feel exquisite. I feel excited. Yeah. Looking forward to the possibilities of things. I think I got everything ahead of me. Yeah. You can already hear how Erica approaches life. She's in her 50s and she's just like, yeah, <laughs> the best is yet to come. How many of us are even in our teens and 20s and 30s and, you know, like already thinking that life is over, that we've missed enough opportunities to just make it to where, like, what's the point? This kind of attitude really serves us well. And that's why Erica is someone to emulate and just hurt attitude and approach to life and how she views things. This next segment that you'll hear is Erica reflecting on how she developed her identity and sense of self. And I want you to listen to how she couches this and how she views who she is because with such a focus on identity right now in our current culture, I think that the more mature and evolved way that she views this topic can be incredibly freeing and inspiring for anyone right now. How did you <laughs> work out being you? Work out being me? Yeah, how'd you figure out how to be you? Hmm, I don't think I have too many choices. I follow my heart. Sometimes I'm afraid and nervous, but I'm confident, so it makes me brave. My thoughts are unorthodox a lot, and I do not have the most popular opinion, as I've learned over the years. But the only thing I can be is me. And as a mutable person, I've learned to be the best me, but still be able to mutate and, you know, within different circles so that I don't disrupt it too much. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> the host, Ari, is so funny. He just, he cracks me up. You have to watch the interview to understand because I edited out most of his stuff in this, but he just kept going, mm, mm, just agreeing so much with what she was saying. 
I mean, I was also going, "Mm, yes, snaps, because there's just so much wisdom in this woman. I love how she talks about the importance of bravery and confidence. And you'll hear throughout the rest of the interview, I don't think she's always been this way, right? But it's something that you realize that you have to develop these traits within yourself and you have to develop a bit of an attitude of not really caring what other people think because eventually you'll realize that people are always going to have their thoughts and opinions about what you're doing and who you are and you have to pick and choose the people that you'll actually listen to and the first person you should care about what they think is yourself. And we are currently in a time where so many of us are externalizing um, how we value ourselves. We're, we're projecting this outwards. We're trying to get validation from the outside world when we should be really trying to find that within. And Erica Badu, as I think I mentioned in the beginning, strikes me as someone who understands what it means to be in the world but not of the world. She knows herself. She knows the world is full of hurt and hurting people that are going to be throwing barbs at her and she's choosing not to place a lot of emphasis or importance on that. And she's also expecting people to kind of attack her. You'll have also probably heard Erica say something about being a mutable person, right? Mutable means capable of change or alteration. So in various contexts, it can refer to something that's flexible, adaptable, or easily modified. So if someone calls themselves a mutable person, from a psychological perspective, it likely means that they perceive themselves to be adaptable, open to change, flexible in their attitudes, behaviors, and responses to different situations. Someone who's mutable might find it a bit easier to adjust to new places, people, things, embrace different perspectives, and just in general, go with the flow of life. The opposite of a mutable person might be someone who is rigid or inflexible, calling myself out there, so that's me. Such a person, <laughs> aka myself, probably sometimes, rigid or inflexible people are going to be resistant to change be set in their ways and have a really hard time adapting to new situations or considering alternative viewpoints. So it would be really beneficial for us to become like Erica, more mutable. The different benefits to becoming a more mutable person include an enhanced capacity for adaptability. If we're open to change and flexible in our thinking, it's going to be a lot easier for us to navigate life's transitions and challenges. You're gonna be more likely to find creative solutions to problems and adjust to new circumstances with a lot less stress. You're also going to, by becoming more mutable, improve your relationships. Mutable, flexible, go with the flow type of people have an easier time understanding and empathizing with the perspectives of others. This obviously leads to better communication and more harmonious relationships. Mutable people, go with the flow people, also experience enhanced personal growth. If you're able to embrace change and be open to new experiences, this is like rocket fuel for personal growth and development because 
It allows you to continually learn and evolve as a person. And that is a theme that Erica brings up more and more throughout this interview. When you're mutable, you also are going to have a lot less stress. When we're rigid and lack flexibility in various aspects of our lives and and person, this leads to stress and frustration when we are inevitably confronted with situations that are beyond our control, which is almost everything in life. When we are mutable, we can reduce this stress by going with the flow, assuming a general position of acceptance and surrender. And lastly, becoming a more mutable person just leads to increased resilience. When we're adaptable and flexible, we are more resilient. And when we're a mutable person, we're able to bounce back from the inevitable setbacks and challenges of life a lot more effectively. And if you're anything like me, as someone who struggles with extreme rigidity and a general tendency to want to control everything in my life because I grew up in a situation where I felt like I was completely out of control, then learning to embrace this attitude of mutability as Erica Badu mentions here is going to do wonders for your ability to experience life as worth living, as something that starts to feel like an experience full of joy and synchronicities and flow and creativity. But if you are rigid, we're cutting ourselves off from all of that. The next part of the interview that I found interesting was where Ari Melber asked basically whether or not her early success impacted how she continued doing her art. So here's what Erica said about that. It didn't affect my approach. It it affects the people around you and, and their opinions and what they think. And if you're not careful, that will influence you or uh, deter you from doing what you want, you know? So I was very careful. I took my time because I don't feel it's a race. My best work is still in me. So mm. I just paced myself. Here again, she's bringing up not really giving too much thought about what other people think. And even if there's success or failure, she just stayed the course. She stayed true to herself and paced herself. She talked a little more about pacing oneself too and the tendency to rush our lives past, like get to the next place and know exactly how it's going to look. And this advice really, really stuck with me. So here's what she said about that. You kind of get to it when you become it because I've, I'm finding out that the universe really doesn't give you what you ask for. It gives you what you are. Mm. And you attract the things that you are. So, yeah, you can't really race to be something you're not. Do you remember how old you were when you had that thought? Or that was that always with you? It was always with me, but not in those words. Mm-hmm. I always felt it. She says the universe doesn't give you what you ask for. It gives you what you are. And obviously, I can't get inside Erica Badu's head and talk about exactly what she means by that. But... I can only speculate. What I get from that statement is, you know, when we are caught up in these mental stories, you know, that I'm not good enough, this always happens to me, I'm always the one that gets broken up with, or I always fail, you know, those 
narratives of our inner critic. And if we truly believe that, then it's much more likely that we are going to have this self-fulfilling prophecy. But if we make a decision to just completely flip our mental scripts, get rid of these narratives that were never ours to begin with, we will likely start seeing our lives change. And she also talks about how you can't race to be something that you're not, right? Also, when she says that life gives us what we are, each of us have our own unique strengths. And I think here she's pointing to the fact that because right now modern society kind of provides us with these templates of success, like I always shit on the Kardashians and sometimes I feel bad about that, but it's like there's such a good archetype of like, here's the avatar of what success looks like. You need to look like that. You need to be like that. You need to talk like that. And that's where we're going wrong here, right? Even some of us, because of all these surgical adjustments we're making to ourselves, we're even starting to kind of like look the same. So Erica is someone who is a fierce advocate for just embracing your own inner beauty, your own creative talents. And each one of us was put here on this planet, this experience that we're all having here for a reason. And we all have different talents and different skills that we can bring to the table. And I believe that if there's one thing we can do, it's finding out those things and being honest with ourselves about what we're good at, what we're maybe not so good at, and just embracing and accepting that. And the awareness of that is also going to open up our lives in so many amazing ways. She leaves it off with saying she always felt like that feeling was with her, but she didn't have the words to express it, but she always felt it. And with Erica, you're going to hear her mention, like, I felt that. I felt it in me a lot. This is someone who has a very, very deep connection with her intuition and with her gut feeling. She trusts herself. And for so many of us who went through a lot of trauma and have really not trusted ourselves, this this deep trust that she has is something to listen to and emulate and really, really embody in your own recovery journey. Now we'll stay on the topic of looks. And the next part of the interview that I clipped was a segment where Ari plays a few different interviews from early in Erica's career that she clearly hasn't seen for a long time. So in the video version of the interview, which I'll be linking in the episode description, you can watch the full thing. You'll be able to see her react to some of these clips that she clearly hasn't seen for years and reflect on how much she's changed. But this particular clip was from an episode of Regis and Kathy Lee, which is like an old talk show. And you can really hear how poorly this has aged, but also how ahead of her time Erica was when talking about herself as an artist and a woman. So let's check it out. And Baduism, mm -hmm. is there, uh, is, can you define that for us? The Baduism experience is supposed to get you high, make you feel um, really good naturally. I just have yeah. one big question about your career now. Sure. You have one of the most extraordinarily beautiful faces. Why in the world would you put hide your face on the cover of this? You really are exquisitely beautiful. Well, thanks. Um, I don't know. I just don't think it's really all about Erica Badu. It's about the way that you're supposed to feel when you hear the music. It took a lot of people and a lot of uh, energy from the creator to bring this 
all together. Well, a few things I take from that is that's so like 1997. If it was Baduism, it's definitely like the year 1997. Women, this was the years of the supermodel of Naomi Campbell, Cindy Crawford, right? It was all about the looks. And if you've ever seen Erica Badu, she is she's stunningly beautiful. She looks like regal, like a queen. It's hard to ex- just explain her. You have to see her. And she was here in like the height of her youth, looking absolutely gorgeous, like a supermodel. And of course, the interviewers want to make it about that. But she pivots it and says, like, this is bigger than me. This is about my art. And she highlights the community of people that were required to make her project happen. And it just goes to show her value system. And that's something to take note of because this isn't a performance. This is what she truly believes. And you can see how in this Mavericks interview, how when she's 50, her staying true to herself has allowed her to maintain this chill, calm, go with the flow demeanor because what you see is what you get. There's no splits going on with this woman. Who she is on the inside is represented who she is on the outside. There's such a sense of integration with Erica Badu that I really, really aspire to be like. So what you're going to hear next is her reflecting on what she just saw in that interview. How do you feel looking at her, looking at you? She's so green. <laughs> I think she's very special, very gifted and very, very talented, very giving, very naive. How do you see her as naive? She just didn't know a lot of things, you know, and was influenced easily, mm. you know, by other people's feelings and thoughts. So I had to be really careful, like I just said, to pace myself so that I wouldn't go down the wrong, if there's a wrong path. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. There's so many nuggets of wisdom just in this particular little segment. You know, I love this reflection from Erica's older, wiser self back to her younger, greener self. She even says that word in the beginning part of her response to Ari Melber. It's kind of cut out so you can't hear it because he kind of just says, right? Like, well, how do you feel about her, that that younger version of you? And she goes, she's so green, Right. And for my international listeners, being green is like, she's a newbie, right? She's, she's young and green. And she points out about her naivety, you know, or naivete, however you want to pronounce that. She didn't know a lot of things. She was easily influenced by other people's feelings and thoughts. I mean, how many of us can relate to that? I feel like my entire teens and 20s 
was this really head fucky mixture of only caring about what other people thought of me, but still really centering myself in the world, like being such a main character, but with no inner life. And I think that is kind of the paradoxical conundrum many of us have caught ourselves in. And again, Erica repeats how she's had to pace herself. And I talk a lot on the podcast about this, right? How I take that is she probably has gotten really good at putting that space between her, you know, immediate gut emotional reaction to something and her reaction. She takes time to say, hey, does this feel right with me right now? Do I want to do this? Or am I feeling pushed to do this? Is this something that actually feels true to me? Or does it feel like I have to do it to maintain this mask or gain the approval of this person, right? Am I feeling pressured? And cultivating this pause, this space between our emotion and our reaction is hugely powerful in our lives. I mean, it it changes everything, right? Because think about how many just devastating mistakes that you've made by deciding to say that thing, that one thing that you probably wouldn't have said if you would have just taken one pause. And then there was like a domino effect of things that you could never put back in the box because of that one thing you said. So multiply how many times that's happened to you and where your life is. If you would have just paused and reflected, how different could things be? Now, there's no need in getting sad about the past, but it's more thinking about how different and the power we could claim back and the powerlessness that would fade away if we would just empower ourselves to cultivate this pause, this moment of silence between emotion and reaction, pacing ourselves, like Erica says. And I love that she says, you know, she had to do this so that she wouldn't go down the wrong path, but then she catches herself which is an automatic indicator of her spiritual wisdom. She says, if there is a wrong path, because there really is no wrong path, but maybe she could have saved herself some unnecessary struggling. But as we all know, this struggling without it, without those specific struggles that she went through, she wouldn't be sitting with Ari Melber in that chair on that day, giving what she says in the end of the interview is her best advice ever. So there is no wrong path. In this next segment, Erica reflects on how the hip-hop culture of the early 90s cultivated her creative identity. Um, hip-hop is a culture, and in that culture, there is a process in which we do things. Mm-hmm. It's very braggadocious. It's very confident, and that's where I got a lot of my confidence from, being an MC. And in that arena, it's okay to boast and brag and be a part-time narcissist, you know. (laughs) So that gave me a lot of inspiration and confidence. Are they just distinct creative talents and you happen to have them? Mm -hmm. Which is great for you, right? Because you could DJ and you have this hip-hop part of you and then the singing voice, everybody know. Yes. Or do you think they reinforce each other? Does being one of those things help you be a better DJ, help you be a better singer? Probably, yeah, because they all go together. And hip-hop, the the culture of hip-hop is 
graffiti, it's break dancing, you know these things. It's it's the spoken word, it's rap, the way we dress, the language that we have. It's a full culture. And hip hop is the people. So hip hop changes with the people. Right. As we progress and change and grow, so does it. So I think it's all something, it's all in the same pot. Being creative is the nucleus of that. Anybody can say they're, they're a rapper or a dancer or something, but the creative part of it is what's special about it. You know, the more creative you are in a cypher, the better you are as a freestyler mm-hmm. or a, a, a DJ or someone who could put a playlist together or a graffiti artist. You know, the more creative you are, you know, in this thing, the further you'll go. I love the fact that Erica says that being a DJ allowed her to be, quote, a part-time narcissist. (laughs) I love that description. You know, one of my favorite people and authors, Martha Beck, she spoke a while back on one of her podcast episodes about how she has cultivated different traits within herself and maybe personality attributes by emulating those things, by faking it till she makes it, quite literally. So she'll think, how would her favorite author write this sentence and try to actually pretend to be them? Or she even mentioned how when she was experiencing some technical difficulties on a Zoom conference where there was like hundreds of people on it and she was about to have a panic attack, she talked about how she thought about Um, a comedian that she really liked. And she thought, I'm going to become this comedian. How would this comedian handle this situation? And she said that she overcame it and was actually hilarious and made everybody laugh, right? And got through the situation. So there's something to this by being a part-time narcissist, as uh, Erica puts it, kind of playing confidence, um, playing creativity, faking it till we make it, And she also just said, the more creative you are, the further you'll go. And it's so true. You'll hear her talk about this more in the later part of the interview. But she highlights how, you know, left-brained we are. We're very rational and we need to tap into that creative part of our brain. But most of us are so disconnected from it. We can bring creativity into anything we do. In this next section, Erica talks a little bit more about her philosophy of life. I appreciate being in the moment and growing with the time. You know, I think that's the key to reinvention and reinvention is the key to survival in this business. They just made me like this, whoever they are. You know, they made me like this. I'm just really interested in what's what's next. You know, I'm a very futuristic thinking human and I don't get stuck in the past once I do something it doesn't belong to me anymore yeah a couple of things to highlight here I love how she said reinvention is the key to survival and this is true things that remain rigid unchanging and inflexible even just biologically they tend to die we have to adapt and evolve and grow and even on a more micro scale everything in the world goes through cycles transformative changing cycles the moon the tides snakes shedding their skin 
I could give a million other examples. We're no different. This rigidity, I mean, we could do an entire episode and we will in the future on polyvagal theory and how trauma is stored in the body and how these unprocessed emotions can also lend themselves to this inner rigidity. But this is why this inner work and particularly somatic experiencing is really, really important to incorporate in our recovery journey. And Erica also talked about how she has this forward thinking value system that's almost just her default setting at this point. She's looking to the future. She wants to know what's next. She even said, once I do something, it doesn't belong to me anymore. Imagine if you, just for a second, really picture, imagine in your mind what your life would be like if you lived by that as a code. Once I do something, it doesn't belong to me anymore. Obviously, this is not to be interpreted like, oops, if I fuck up and I'm a horrible person and I'm mean to everyone on earth, like, doesn't belong to me anymore. This isn't like an excuse to escape accountability for hurtful or harmful behavior towards ourselves or others. This is to be interpreted as freeing ourselves from toxic shame, allowing ourselves to be human and make mistakes and know that the past is in the past. This neurotic preoccupation, again, self call out here, like I do this, that many of us have with the past or even the future too of what's going to happen in the future? Oh no, what is this going to happen? Is this thing going to go wrong? Or why did I say this? This is reflective of a preoccupation with the past. Not often are we really focusing on what's right in front of us in the present moment. And that's the attitude that Erica is emulating here. So if you've ever seen Erica Badu, you will know that she has this distinctive aesthetic like her style is so uniquely her own and here's just a tiny little clip where she speaks a bit about how she approaches her her style and like her outward facing identity i slept in this <laughs> this is not nothing these gold rings these are my talismans and amulets and things you know these are things that just make me feel good this hat is made out of resin actually you want to feel real it? These pants were given to me by one of the elders in my community because I just loved him because he wore them so much. Yeah, I just mix and match things. You know, they're, like I said, talismans and amulets, things that make me feel good. Yeah. I love shape and color and things like that. Yeah. So as someone who has really struggled with my own personal style journey throughout my parallel mental health journey, I feel like I have always had an identity crisis and it's only just now starting to subside because I feel like I really know who I am and I'm starting to make decisions on the outside that reflect who I am on the inside and the style piece just starts to fall into place and you also start to care a lot less about what the trends are because you get to a certain point where you see trends come and go so many times and you also know how it felt to be like on that hamster wheel of like looking like you're wearing the cool thing that you realize it's kind of like a trap and what I love that Erica's talking about here is 
She says she's interested more in the color and shape of things. Notice how everything she says is about how is this making me feel? Does this make me feel good? How often are you asking yourself, like, genuinely, how do these clothes make my body feel? Like, does this make me feel good when I put it on? Did I wear this once where I had like a horrible experience and every single time I look at this piece of clothing, it reminds me of that? Well, then get rid of it. Like, have you read Marie Kondo? Have you been living under a rock? <laughs> do some do some Marie Kondo shit up in your closet and your entire house. It's one of the most freeing things like when I can just go through and really release some of the items that I own that are no longer serving me or are not really resonating with me at that point in my life. And then finding a place to donate that stuff, um, recycle some of the stuff that is not donatable and selling some of the stuff. It's such a freeing feeling. And then it leaves room for you to not obsessively and manically go buy more shit to replace it, but to be okay with like the absence of stuff for a while and then allow yourself to find things organically and naturally that might have a story because that's something else that she mentions right she talks about each piece of her clothing has a story to it a reason why she's wearing it and why she loves it and a lot of people that feel these this way about what they own is like they might own the less amount of things and they really really just cherish and care about the things that they do have and wear them more frequently she even describes her jewelry as her amulets right amulets are almost like a way of thinking of jewelry as a spiritual protection right and again focusing on how things make her feel she feels powerful and like she's a walking narrative like she has her unique story wearing on her body so I love how Erica speaks about style and it's really, really empowering for me as someone on my path to really embracing my own authenticity and finding what my sense of self and style mean to me. So the next piece I found extremely fascinating because I did not know this. I was today years old when I found out about this did you know that Erica Badu actually coined the phrase like or word woke? And this is the story of how that happened. Um, there's a song on this particular album called Master Teacher. And in that song, Master Teacher, the chorus is I stay woke. Mm. So stay woke was introduced to the world by way of this album, New America Part One and I tweeted it once. Georgia Ann Muldrow actually wrote the song. Mm. She's singing with me. And uh, I tweeted it about this uh, group that was uh, detained, Pussy Riot. They're this uh, group of activists who are artists. And in my tweet, I said, free Pussy Riot and hashtag stay woke. After that, woke took off and became, became many things. So at this point, she says that the word woke kind of took on a life of its own. And then in the interview, they piece in this little montage, which showcases how woke, which the beginning, the first clip you'll hear is the original woke 
word included in the chorus of Erica's song, Master Teacher. And then you'll just hear different clips that MSNBC clearly has chosen to illustrate how this word woke has made its way into mainstream culture since. Everybody knows a black or white. Stay woke. Yeah. Um, it's just urging folks to pay attention, to be alert. But stay woke, wow. <laughs> I want my culture to stay woke, but I want the other cultures that's supporting us to stay woke. Woke fascism that will <laughs> destroy our nation. We will never ever surrender to the woke mob. Florida is where woke goes to die. And so after this, Erica is then reflecting on having heard this montage of how this word that she created is kind of taking on new life. And here's what she had to say. Uh, it is what it is. Like, like we said, it doesn't belong to us anymore. Mm. And, you know, once something goes out in the world, it takes a life of its own. It's an energy of its own. I can tell you what woke means. Please. It just means being aware, being in alignment with nature because if you're in alignment with that you're aware of everything that's going on and it's not only in the political arena that means with your health that means in your relationships that means in your home that means in your car it means mm. in your sleep i believe denial is the opposite of love they bank on our ignorance mm -hmm. you know it's it's a big business <laughs> our ignorance is their business it's kind of funny because you can even see sometimes where Erica in this interview just starts to go deeper than even MSNBC are <laughs> prepared to go. And I think she's aware of that too because she says all of this with a twinkle in her eye. But again, major truth bombs being dropped by Erica Badu here. I love that she says that woke means being aligned and aware and that it wasn't always meant to be a political word. It means being aligned and aware everywhere you are in every aspect of your life. And it's about, you know, being awake inside and looking at your own shadows. I can't imagine what that must be like being in a position of such influence that something that you said, like a word that you coined, just is adopted into an entire cultural language adopted and also subverted and changed and twisted. So it must be a really weird experience and a very unique experience to have. So I thought this was fascinating. And I also had no idea that Erica Badu was the one to have coined this phrase. And before anyone comes for me, I don't know the deep, deep internet lore on the word woke. Maybe Erica didn't necessarily coin it, but she is the one who said it prominently and that that was the point where it really took off. So if you know the really deep history of this word, feel free to email it to me. Um, I'd love to read about that. So you know I also had to read up on pussy riot because erica said that she also kind of saw the word woke take off when she tweeted hashtag free pussy riot so pussy riot is a russian feminist punk rock protest group and they are known for provocative and politically charged performances let's just say that they were out and proud about 
critiquing the Russian government, its policies, and its leaders, which is obviously a big no-no in Russia. So Pussy Riot was actually formed in Moscow in 2011. The group has a really fluid membership and many of the members are anonymous. It kind of reminds me of the hacker group Anonymous. And the members are known for wearing brightly colored balaclavas to conceal their identities during their public appearances. So their claim to fame, something they're best known for, is that Pussy Riot put on something called a punk prayer protest performance that took place in Moscow's Cathedral of Christ the Savior in February of 2012. So in this performance, they sang a protest song called Virgin Mary Put Putin Away, and the song criticized the close relationship between the Russian Orthodox Church and the then Prime Minister Vladimir Putin. And obviously the performance disrupted the churchgoers and many people thought it was very disrespectful to their religious believers and it led to widespread outrage, which is obviously exactly what Pussy Riot was trying to do. So following this stunt, several members of Pussy Riot were arrested and charged with, quote, hooliganism motivated by religious hatred. Three members of Pussy Riot actually faced trial, were found guilty in August 2012, and sentenced to two years in prison. And so the trial and sentencing of these Pussy Riot members sparked international outrage and protests in support of their release. So the hashtag free pussy riot trended on social media of the time like twitter and so this drew a lot of attention to their case so two of the members were released from prison in december 2013 following an amnesty law so after their release they continued to be outspoken activists on various issues including human rights feminism and political reform in russia so there you go the more you know. Now you know the origin of the word woke, which is being thrown around so much these days. I always really like when I can pull out like a little fun fact at a party. Did you know? So you're welcome for me. You know, Erica also ends this tidbit of advice with another banger. She says that denial is the opposite of love. I love that one. And she also says they, and by they, I think she's meaning just a very loosely framed they, right? It can be many things. They bank on our ignorance and it's big business. Our ignorance is their business. And it's so true because when we are not cultivating a good relationship with ourselves, when we know ourselves, we know our weaknesses, we know our shadows, we rely on our own inner guidance, when we're disconnected from that and we're seeking validation or placing all of our value system on material things or trying to look physically beautiful, just attaining these unreachable goals dictated by you know the current culture, we're outsourcing our sense of self. And that is good business for lots of different people. It can be as you know, simple as just making money for cosmetics companies or surgery companies, but it's also more nefarious than that, right? Like we could go down a whole conspiracy theory rabbit hole if we want to, but keeping it very simple is it's in your best interest to know thyself. 
In this next segment of the interview, Erica reflects on, you know, another buzzword, this cancel culture idea that's been so discussed along with the phrase woke. She also just talks about the fixation on putting ourselves in boxes and the exploration of identity. And I really like the way she frames this. So here's what she has to say on sense of self and identity. Because we didn't have social media, I couldn't look back and see everything and pull up all of these things. So we were living in real time. I came off the tail of an era where you had to know a person by just the album cover and the white jumpsuit they had on. Everything that you needed to know had to come from that that thing, which was cool. So people didn't really dig deep into people's personal lives and throw the whole person away if they cheated on their taxes or cheated on their wife or whatever it is that's immoral to, to society. Um, I remember people describing my music and all that stuff and I would be like, oh, okay, because it's just me. And um, it was a little scary, like I said, because it had never been done. Those elements had never been put together in that way. We'll say it that way. I was fine with whatever thing they came up with, but just don't put me in a box so that people will grow to expect something because I'm changing and growing right now as we speak in this moment. Mic drop. I'm fine with whatever the hell you say about me, write about me, just don't put me in a box because when you put me in a box, then you're going to expect something. And that is rigidity, right? That's placing rigidity on a person. We have to be allowed to change and grow If we say we are one static thing and put all of our time and energy into becoming that one thing, and if we don't achieve that one thing, that is the definition of rigidity. And we're not allowing our minds to change, our views to change, our beliefs to change, all of these things. We're not being mutable. We're not being fluid. And that is such a a message for the time right now. So many people are stuck in these rigid sets of beliefs of how things should be done or how people should be. And I'm finding myself really wanting to move as far away as I can from that rigidity. And so hearing this parroted back to me from Erica Badu, someone that I admire so much, was such an empowering message to hear, especially right now. I also really like her reflections on, you know, just the keyboard warrior thing going on, how people are really digging into the personal lives and every tweet that a celebrity or public figure has ever sent, every person they follow, everything they've ever done, micro and hyper analyzing every move they've ever made and looking for missteps and reasons to go from loving them to leading a digital pitchfork mob against them to completely ruin their entire lives. It's wild to watch and it's happening everywhere. It's not like it's just one political faction or, you know, ideological faction of people that's doing this. It's happening all across the board. And one has to ask, like, when is enough enough? When are we going to start understanding that things are complex and nuanced and to embrace this more mutable approach that Erica is advocating for here and allowing people to be human, giving people the grace that we wish someone would give us in a similar position 
really embracing our humanity because sometimes when I watch behavior online, I just really find myself wondering that, like, how far have we fallen in terms of just the lack of humanity that we show our brothers and sisters here on earth? It's really, really sad to see. So next I'm going to lighten the mood because this part was probably one of my very favorite parts of the interview. So what you're about to hear is this very genuine and cute interaction between Ari Melber and Erica Badu. And I think Ari Melber was giving a little bit of like adorable nervous vibes in this interview. It seems like he really loved Erica Badu and respected her work. It was like he was fangirling during the interview. And so it kind of meant that he was like making some kind of corny, funny jokes. And in this part, you're about to hear where he really starts talking down on himself and is very self-deprecating. He makes a joke and then basically says like, ah, that was a dad joke. And listen to how Erica responds to this. I don't know if you remember, Master P said something to the effect of, if you bought it, bought it. Right. Tell me you bought it, bought it. <laughs> right. That's for those who That's know. That's a dad joke for Southern hip hop heads who know. Stop. Don't do that no more. You shouldn't ever tell anybody your age again. Because <laughs> I feel like I'm talking to a kid from next door right now. You, you feel like I'm a kid? Yeah, we're 11. Okay. 11's good. Yeah. Yeah. So there's no more, I'm a dad and I'm an old man Respect. and all of that. Nah. Respect. Well, I'll hit you with some uh, Picasso. Hit me with it. He said, it took me four years to learn to paint like a professional impressionist. Mm. And a lifetime to learn to paint like a child. Yeah. Bars. 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 Yeah. I love it. I feel that because as a mom, it's super important to me that I'm very careful being the first person to mold these minds. Because like Picasso, I spent a whole lot of time trying to unlearn things that were taught to me and taught to my parents and taught to their parents. Mm -hmm. I'll go back one more. And their parents. And their parents. I love how she talks about the responsibility that she understands that she has to mold the minds of her children as a mother. She understands the gravity and weight of this role, right? And not with like a neurotic vibe, not like, oh God, it's all up to me. Just like she understands that this is a big responsibility and she's conscious of that. And there are so many parents out there that are not at all conscious or respectful of the role that they hold as parent. And just having the privilege of being raised by someone with that attitude alone is a precious gift that she's offering her children and herself as a mother and for her own healing. She speaks of her consciousness and awareness of generational trauma. You know, you can tell that she's worked through her own shit. She doesn't blame her parents for all the stuff that she admittedly says that she's had to, quote, unlearn. It's interesting when you get to a certain point on your recovery journey, like Erica is mirrored so well to us, that we find that we've always been told to grow up 
But in reality, when you enter recovery, you realize that you have to unbecome. You have to become more childlike, not more grown up. And that really is a major key. And her childlike nature and focus rubs off on the host. And you'll have heard Ari Melber start with that cheesy joke. And Erica corrects him firmly, but lovingly. Don't ever tell anyone your age again. And she immediately says, I feel like I'm talking to a kid. We're 11 right now. And in the interview, you can instantly hear. And when you see the video version, you hear him calm down instantly. He immediately becomes chill and thinks of that Picasso quote. And they settle into a relaxed, genuine moment of conversation and that's what that kind of serious attitude and perspective shift does to other people that's the effect you can have on others when you are so grounded in who you are in the next portion erica talks about her healing journey and referencing all this stuff that she's had to unlearn, this generational trauma that she's felt like she was ready to transmute to be the cycle breaker. She speaks powerfully to the healing power of art and creativity. I think art is the absence of fear. Like when you're creating something, if it's in its truest form, you're just creating. I think art influences it greatly. I was a homeschooling mom, so teaching my children math through music or English through colors, you know, it makes a big difference because it's the way our minds think and see. And when we are subjected to just the left brain activities, it stifles us a a lot, clenches. Our ass is always clenched because we're afraid to express ourselves in a way because we're afraid to be assassinated or alienated or singled out. So we're managing our pain by holding our creativity in, which is something I don't want to see young people have to do. Art is the absence of fear. I agree with her on that. And it sounds like that's what she's teaching to her children. This focus on activating the right side of our brain is really important. We live in a culture that is left brain dominant. It is all about, you know, logic and reason. And we don't have room for the imagination. It gets really shut down early on in childhood. And the irony is, There are massive companies like corporate companies paying people to come in and teach their employees how to access their creative brains because that's how some of the biggest innovations get made that make the most amount of money and helps their bottom line. I'm actually interviewing someone that's coming up on the podcast who is a depth psychologist and specialist in dream analysis and imagination work. And he gets contracted by big companies to come in and help their teams. So not only is this happening at the corporate level, this has to happen in our individual level too. Cultivating creativity and your imagination and opening up this right brain capacity more, it can 
manifest in so many amazing ways in your life and career and relationships. And it contributes to you becoming a more open and fluid person that sees opportunities and ideas. And that can only enrich your life. She cracked me up when she talked about that, like clenched ass. Everybody's ass is always clenched. She's bringing this theme of rigidity back into the fore. She really highlights the importance of bringing the art that's within us and expressing ourselves. And this fear that we have of expressing ourselves is natural. It's biological. I've spoken about this before on the podcast. Our ancestors, if you were shunned or didn't get along with your tribe or your group, you could be shunned and actually set out to die. If you didn't have acceptance from your in-group, then it was life or death. But it's no longer life or death. It's not that serious anymore, but our biology tricks us into believing that that's the case. We actually are going to suffer more if we hold it all in. We must express ourselves. And more importantly, we have to learn about ourselves and go within so that we can find the communities where it is safe to express ourselves. And learning to do that is a lifelong journey that requires consistency, persistence, and just maintaining one step at a time kind of attitude, which is clearly what has led Erica to where she is today, one foot in front of the other, trusting herself and following her own path, which has led her to sitting on MSNBC being called a maverick of her industry because she truly is. And it is this attitude that's allowed her to sit there and have this conversation. We're nearly at the end of the interview now, and there's just a couple of questions left. And this one was where Erica responded to a question from Ari Melber about the importance of finding your own way and not copying the path of other people. You know, if, you're, if this is not what you're supposed to be doing, it means that you are living someone else's dream. I believe that people should find the thing that comes the easiest to them and master it. Comes the easiest yeah. to you, you know, even if it's something, it's gonna be useful in society in some kind of way, even if it's someone who just knows how to clean their sneakers really well. There's a, a lot you can do with that creative idea of just honing into what you do best. Another area where she's pointing out about being honest with ourselves, about what are we good at? What are we not so good at? But I love the focus on what we're good at because that's what really matters. An awareness of our weaknesses is also really important too. But this little riff that Erica does about just kind of really finding out what you're good at and following your path reminds me of another episode that we've done is our episode on the Japanese philosophical concept ikigai and if you want to dive deeper into this all you have to do is search i-k-i-g-a-i back from the borderline and it'll pop up for you but essentially this concept is how to find your purpose in life and essentially what you do is sit down and brainstorm and you're going to be thinking about what are you good at what do you love what does the world need and what can you get paid for and in today's creator economy, it really is possible to find something that is your super niche interest. It can even be an interest as niche as 
specialty yarn for knitting, you could create a career creating content that would pay your bills doing something that niche. Don't believe me? It's happening every day. These people might not be Kim Kardashian making millions of dollars, but there are hundreds of thousands of creators right now making their bills every month by creating content about niche subjects that they're passionate about. So if you want to dive more into that, check out my episode on Ikigai because this is really what Erica is reflecting back to us. Think about what you love, what you're good at, what the world needs and what you can get paid for and start brainstorming on how you can dedicate some of your time and resources to make that happen. And it's going to require you being consistent with it and likely maybe not getting paid in the beginning and just working on the side while you are probably doing something else to pay your bills. But with consistency and time, it works. This is the very reason I was able to leave my job job about five or six months ago and I'm focusing on the podcast full time. I never thought that would be possible, but I was consistent for two and a half years and here I am. So the interview finishes up with a super cute little word association game that Ari Melber plays with Erica. And so he says a word and she responds with her immediate first impression of hearing that word. Energy. Energy. Everything vibrates inside of it and it cannot be dissipated. It can only be exchanged. Womb. The womb, inside the womb is the universe as above, so below. The creation of everything comes from the womb, just as it comes from the noon or the nun. See? Confirmation. As you spoke. <laughs> Words. As I spoke. Yeah. Feminism. Feminism. The only ism I've messed with is Baduism. <laughs> but I am an advocate for anyone who is being abused. As an artist. Yeah. Being sensitive about my means it means they're just that i'm very sensitive about my art and creativity because it's a part of me it's like the fascia of who i am the worst advice i've ever gotten was the worst advice i've ever gotten was erica you gotta let the other people win sometime what kind of person told you that somebody who wanted to win <laughs> the best advice I've gotten was. From my grandmother. And she gives everybody in the family the same advice. And when I found that out, I was a little sour. Mm. But I, I appreciated it still. Her advice is always, keep living, it'll come to you. The best advice I've ever given was. The best advice I've ever given was probably today. When I said, the creator does not give you what you ask for, gives you what you are. Failure means. Failure means giving up. Success means? Success means continuing no matter what. You know, there are some celebrities where you hear them in an interview and you wish you didn't because you automatically don't like them as much as you used to. Just kind of shatters your little parasocial impression. That never happens for me when I hear Erica Badu talk and this interview was no different. She, for me, is the archetype 
of the kind of person I want to emulate. I want to emulate that energy. And I think that's why I was called inside to make this episode. I got such a nudge and I really start to trust those intuitive hunches that I get because it usually means that this is an episode that people really needed to hear right now in this moment. And I've started to trust that because when I heard these words, I felt like they were like a salve to my heart. I needed to hear it. I was so worried about some of these things in my own life, in my own part of my journey that I'm at right now. And it's almost like she was speaking straight to me. So my hope is that some of you might be feeling that same way. Thinking, thank you, Molly, for sitting down and taking five hours to edit this all together. I hope that this can live on to share the wisdom of this incredible woman that she's offering out into the world. And I hope you have appreciated my reactions and reflections because I deeply enjoyed sharing that with my listeners who really understand what it means to be a really sensitive person with amazing creative capacities. My listeners are very creative. I read your emails. I might not be able to respond to all of them, but y'all are a creative bunch. The writing I see, you send me your art. But I think what we struggle with is we struggle with the mutability that Erica has really mastered in her own journey. The flexibility, the going with the flow, realizing that we can't control everything. Realizing that, as she said, the creator never gives you what you ask for. It gives you what you are. So realizing that we're not really in the driver's seat of all of this. We can make decisions, we can do the best we can, but inevitably we are here to learn, we are here to grow, we're not here to be perfect. We also hear Erica mention the quote, as above, so below, which to me signals that she has done her own research and work and knows about esoteric and mystical spirituality as above, so below is a hermetic principle. It's a key concept in hermeticism. And for those of you who aren't <laughs> esoteric um, geeks like me, hermeticism is a philosophical and esoteric tradition that traces its origins to the teachings attributed to a figure called Hermes Trismegistus, who is a legendary mythical figure, most likely, and he's often associated with the blending of Greek and Egyptian wisdom. And the phrase, as above, so below, encapsulates the hermetic belief in the interconnectedness of the macrocosm, right, the universe or the divine, and the microcosm, the individual or the earthly realm. So the phrase as above, so below suggests that there is a correspondence, a reflection, a connection between the higher spiritual realms and the material world. There's a continuity there. So in other words, what happens in the spiritual or higher planes is a direct influence on the physical world and vice versa. This principle is often interpreted to mean that by understanding and working with the higher spiritual principles and laws, we can gain insight and mastery over our own lives and the world around us. And 
as above, so below is a foundational idea in hermeticism, and it's influenced various occult, mystical, and esoteric traditions. What we can gain from Erica casually just throwing in this phrase, as above, so below, it's clearly something that she holds close to her heart and references in something as important as this interview she clearly believes in a magical world that interacts with her that she is a part of she's not the main character she is a part of this play and even the fact that she called out the synchronicity of the bird kind of affirming in her mind what she said that just goes to show that she's playing with the world Maybe she believes that the bird is a synchronicity and actually communicating with her. Maybe she doesn't, but it's more fun if she does. And that's the vibe that we're getting. She is playing. She is childlike. She is in a state of wonder at all times. I love that she said that she got salty when she found out that her grandma gave everyone the same advice. <laughs> but when you hear the advice... It's a pretty damn good piece of advice and arguably the advice should probably be the same for every person on earth. And that advice, it was keep living and it'll come to you. To me, that sounds like acceptance and surrender and accepting the things that we can't control and trying our best to change the things that we can control. That is some perennial wisdom and it's something to live by so that's it i really hope that my spidey senses were onto something when they told me that i had to make this episode and if you have there are different ways that you can support my work one of the easiest ways is if you have instagram come on over to instagram search back from the borderline i am sharing tons of memes and feels on Instagram. So if you want to feel like you went straight back to Tumblr days and the right quote or the right picture can just stab you right in the feels, well then come to my Instagram because that's the vibe. I release new episodes of Back From The Borderline every Tuesday. So if you don't want to miss a new episode, make sure to follow Back From The Borderline in your favorite podcast app. I have a thriving Patreon community. Shout out to my premium submarines. On Patreon, I share additional deep dives, a little more personal information into my recovery journey. And I also release full length episodes. Today's episode was just a bonus because I felt seriously compelled to do this. But if you dive into my podcast, you'll see how the format changes slightly on other episodes. Never forget, you haven't met all of you yet. Within your weaknesses, your inner chaos and disorder lies your greatest strength. If only you would dare to shine a light on it and transmute it. We have to get to the point where we're willing to be the fool to begin our hero's journey. And remember, anyone, even you, can come back from the borderline. See you next time. Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Back from the Borderline. If you'd like to receive my monthly written recovery musings via Substack directly to your inbox, send me a voicemail, join the Patreon community, or check out my Amazon booklist recommendations, visit backfromtheborderline.com and click to access my link tree.